Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm going to talk about when you are still binge eating, but you're not quite sure why. So maybe you already made some good progress along the recovery road, but sometimes you feel that you slip back and you're a bit bewildered and confused as to what has led you to that point. Now, interestingly today, this is about my fourth attempt at trying to record this. I am really not at all a perfectionist and I really often try to record in one go because it makes it a sustainable way for me to continue with this podcast but today the first recording five minutes in my voice was just so croaky it's still a bit croaky I do apologize second time in the cat jumps on my laptop and I couldn't read what I was meant to be reading and (laughs) yeah the third time I can't even remember now but something went wrong where I just thought I cannot put that out into the ether so fourth time lucky So I'm going to be talking about the subtleties that can keep binge eating going. I just want to say that this episode is talking about binge eating, but it could also be relevant for other disordered eating behaviours. So if you're chewing and spitting, maybe if you are sometimes purging, even over exercising, emotional eating, because ultimately the disordered eating behaviour is the coping strategy and it doesn't really matter so much quite what it is because the underlying function is often the same. It's a means of escape, you know, having some oblivion, numbing emotions, getting away from life, distraction, temporary self-soothing and pleasure, all those different things. And of course, it's going to be slightly different for each of you individually, but many of those behaviours will have a kind of common coping route. So if you're listening and you resonate with the journey that you're on so far, that you've come quite a long way, but you still keep slipping back, I really want to say be proud of how far you have come because you've probably struggled with your relationship with food for a long time and it's going to take a bit of time to unravel it and to stay firmly rooted on the healing path. It is very normal for recovery to be a bumpy ride with one step forward and two steps back. It's so normal. And remember, as I'm always banging on about on this podcast, remember that the underwhelming and sustainable steps are the ones to take. We massively underestimate as humans what we can achieve in a year, and we greatly overestimate what we can achieve in the next few weeks. So stay committed, keep going, baby underwhelming steps, you will get there. So as I've said, this episode is particularly for you if you've already made some substantial progress. So you might have stopped the extremely restrictive diets. So you're not tracking every calorie on my fitness pal and then obsessing on Sunday evenings about your next wellness plan for the week and you might actually feel a bit freer with food, but still, frustratingly, you find yourself back in that valley of the binge sometimes. And you also might feel a bit more tuned into your emotions and truly acknowledge the impact of stress or overwhelm. You might be putting in the strategies to self-soothe and allow yourself less buildup of tension. However, sometimes you will get caught out and can fall back into that well. You might wonder, how did I get back here? You feel baffled and overwhelmed and confused. So let's talk about some of the things that might be going on. So the first thing I want to talk about is just your overall energy preservation, your 
battery, your emotional battery that you have within. And I guess we use our emotional battery up in many, many, many ways through talking to people, through doing our work, through doing our going through our to-do list. It can be used up in many, many ways and sometimes just by being super busy. So binge eating, remember, is an avoidance strategy for tricky life areas. It might often feel as well a lot safer to be preoccupied with food and the intricacies of binge eating rather than getting in touch with what's underneath. So sometimes it's almost much more comfortable to be spinning on the hamster's wheel really fast and when we eventually get off, we have a binge, that gives us the relief, the escape, the soothing, and then we kind of get back on the hamster's wheel and keep going again. But as you can see, that isn't really the ideal solution for the long term. It's about trying to slow down that hamster's wheel or maybe even get off the hamster's wheel completely. I want to say to you though as well, I don't think for most of us, perhaps you have to have a radical, radical life overhaul. It's often lots of little tweaks that can add up to you just feeling a lot better and being much more in a self-soothing and self-caring place. So also when you're in binge eating, you might have no idea as well what you're thinking and feeling. Again, back on that kind of hamster's wheel analogy, when we're spinning so fast, when we're so busy, we don't really have chance to be in the moment and to be present with ourselves. So again, we've often ended up in the valley of the binge as a kind of habitual response to whatever's going on without even having that space in between where we've had a chance to think about what am I thinking, what am I feeling? So this might all sound a bit cryptic, but I want to explain from my own recovery to make a bit more sense of what I'm trying to talk about here. So I would often binge when I had given out my emotional energy to the point of overexertion. Now, I'm a real empath. I love it that I'm an empath. It brings me immense joy and fulfillment in my life. But also, being an empath, you have to really preserve your energy, have boundaries in place, and fuel yourself emotionally to keep going. So in the past, I may have chosen to listen to my friend, spend an extra hour at work, phone someone who was struggling, and then tried to do my college work at the end of it all. So in a way, all those things were things I had kind of chosen to do. I wasn't doing things that were terrible, but what I wasn't doing was building in any decompression time or self-care and rest. So when I was finally stopping giving out and busying myself, I was suddenly aware of my depleted state. So it was almost like I was on that hamster's wheel, spinning, spinning, spinning really fast, finally would kind of get off. And then it was almost like, I was kind of beyond knackered in that awful kind of depleted state and in no place to self-care. And binging would often be a very sort of welcome thing, maladaptive way to give myself some soothing, some escape, some respite. So I would use food to escape from planet Earth, albeit briefly. Binging was a brief exit from the overwhelm of the to-do list and what felt like an endlessly demanding world. Of course, it didn't fix these issues, but it did offer me that respite and a welcome temporary oblivion. Now, in my healing journey, the alternative, you know, trying to do the more healthy coping strategies were really challenging. I found it very, very hard to put boundaries in place to preserve my emotional energy because a boundary to me would often feel selfish. I would feel undeserving or that I was just being silly. And I would also worry about offending or not pleasing others. And I would think, well, other people can do a hundred things a day and be okay. 
So it also as well felt safer to be busying myself and focusing on other people or outside tasks because being in my head and with myself was not a familiar or welcome place. It also protected me from the potential disappointment of displeasing another human being. So I was spinning on the hamster wheel, trying to please everybody else, but actually ultimately not really pleasing myself or meeting my own needs. So using binging as a way to get that quick fix to the needs. And of course it kind of worked temporarily, but of course it doesn't work. And all the things that come afterwards, the guilt, the shame, the self-tabotage, beating yourself up, etc. So I had to learn to say to my friend, I can't see you today, but I'd love to see you in a couple of weeks when things calm down. I had to distance myself as well from people where I was always the listener. Now, people with eating disorders generally are very, very good at caring for others, at listening to others, but are not so great at doing that for themselves. Now, for me as well, being the listener, and it's so interesting, isn't it, that I've made my career out of this as well, But for me, I have to be really careful that that's not an avoidant place of intimacy for me because I can use being the listener as a safe place where I don't have to reveal things so much about myself. But, you know, of course, in therapy, that's absolutely appropriate. You're not going to be wanting to hear all about my bits and pieces. My client is coming to see me to talk about their stuff and get support with that. But in our personal relationships, our listening or talking it should be quite reciprocal it should be two-way so sometimes you may listen more but other times you might be the one who needs to talk and that's really healthy you know it should be a mutual sharing of the sort of vulnerability now the other thing I had to do as well was deal with my almost addiction to being busy 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 all the time you know it's massively rewarding to feel like I was going through the to-do list you go again spinning on that hamster's wheel so fast so I had to learn to build in those pockets of self-care in my day rather than charging from one thing to the next and self-care for me is often just simple peace and alone time with space to collect my thoughts it doesn't often have to be anything too fancy or anything that costs any money it's simply slowing down and being peaceful and quiet and if I don't have this I often feel frazzled and discombobulated. Probably the biggest word I've ever used on the podcast, but I thought it sums up my state very well when I'm not self-caring. So binging might also be about other things that are not being said, things that you perhaps need to say out loud that are important, that are about your own needs, but you don't want to say them. You're scared of the repercussions of that. So in a way, food fills the gap. Food sort of soothes, distracts and numbs, avoids pain. So it might be that your work situation is stressful and overwhelming. Maybe there's a colleague at work who is making things difficult for you. However, you're putting your head down and getting on with things and ignoring the distress. And again, maybe you're using binging as a way to cope with that rather than actually dealing with the problem. It might be that there's a subject in your significant relationship that needs addressing. Maybe you're not spending enough time together, you're feeling emotionally disconnected or taken for granted. And you might have young children and there's just no time to communicate in the way that you need to. And maybe you're lonely, you might be desperately wanting a relationship, but feeling alone, maybe not feeling good enough, you turn to food to fill the void, you then feel more unlovable and withdraw, and ultimately, though what you're doing with that, the food again is kind of offering that temporary fix 
but it's not really hitting the spot because your fundamental need there is to connect. And you might be in a friendship group where you don't feel truly accepted or validated. Maybe you feel there's something wrong with you or you don't just fit in. And again, you might be feeling lonely and disconnected and food again fills the void. So have a reflect on what might be going on for you. And if you have no idea, don't worry. You know, maybe you're just a bit disconnected from your thoughts and feelings. And that is not unusual. You know, if you've been spinning fast on this hamster's wheel, maybe you haven't really stopped to realize what's going on. So a great way to get more in touch with your thoughts and feelings can be through journaling. Now, journaling almost what I would call free association journaling is where you don't even really have a particular structure. You just put pen to paper and you just see what comes from your mind. And you will be surprised that there is so much more wisdom and knowledge within you that you didn't even realize you had. You've probably just never taken the time to stop and listen and begin to tune in. And this is hard to begin with. You know, sometimes you might find this very uncomfortable, it might feel very strange, and you might find it hard to trust what kind of comes when you start writing things down. But by journaling, you're giving yourself the time and space to begin to unpick these thoughts and to be honest with yourself. I think something that's really important to say as well is don't worry about how you think you should feel, because your feelings are your feelings. It doesn't matter if you think other people in the world have it worse or someone else in this situation wouldn't be feeling like this, ultimately, how you feel is how you feel. If you feel upset at work, then you feel upset, honour this feeling. And you don't have to impulsively act on it, but you can explore it and you can work out why you're feeling upset. And you can begin to think about maybe how you want to address it. Or you might even think about just talking about it with someone. So it's really important, you know, our feelings are a valuable barometer guiding us at all times. They don't have to rule you, but if you ignore them, you are missing something that is trying to communicate such important information to you. Another great way to get more in touch with your underlying feelings is to talk openly with a trusted friend. Now, this is someone who listens, who is accepting of you and your encourager and cheerleader. This is not someone who will criticize or tell you what to do. So think very carefully about who you speak to. And I think sometimes with the best will in the world, you know, sometimes our family members are wonderful and hugely supportive and the best people to talk to. Sometimes they are not. And I think just because someone is your blood relative, it doesn't mean always that they are going to be the best person to talk to. So you want to just really think about who can I talk to where I feel safe, where I feel accepted, where I feel loved, where I feel validated for who I am someone that's probably going to listen to you. And when someone can listen to you, they can hold space for you and let you talk. And they may bring their warmth, their reflection, and their support in helping you make sense of things. And it's such a helpful thing to talk about things out loud, because when we do this, we gain more clarity, and we start to trust our inner thought processes and feelings much more. And I think so many people who I work with with eating disorders are very isolated and alone in their relationships. Like they may have a lot of people around them, they may be connected in quite superficial ways, but often they are not really telling people who they're close to what is really going on. And I'm not just talking about eating disorder things, I'm talking about how they feel about relationships, you know, what is kind of going on more in the depths of their soul. 
And again, I understand we don't want to be sharing that with everybody, but it's really important as human beings that we can connect on a deep level and feel understood and accepted and seen by even a couple of people in our lives. Really, really important. So the second part of this episode is talking about rooting out any subtle eating restriction that's still going on. So anyone that listens to this podcast knows I'm a huge advocate of the boring, unsexy work of regular eating, eating the three meals and the three snacks across the day, balancing your blood sugar and keeping your blood sugar as stable as possible. It helps tremendously, I promise you, and it can be the bedrock and roots of changing your binge eating behaviours. And it can feel like a lot of hassle and work when you haven't been doing this, because again, if you've been spinning on the hamster wheel, you maybe haven't had a lot of time to plan or even think about what you're going to eat. You're probably not prioritising yourself. So when you start to think about doing that, it probably feels like another thing you've got to do, another hassle, another should. And you might feel quite resistant to doing that. So again, think of the baby steps, the underwhelming steps. Start with a point in the day which feels a bit easier to establish a bit of routine. Build that in first and then work from there. So I know as well what's really interesting is that when people are going full on into a diet or a wellness plan, you know, they're sort of starting the brand new shiny plan that's going to bring about this transformation. When they're going to do that, they'll often invest hours of food prep, grocery shopping, planning, meticulous kind of calculating of everything. And then when they're not in the wellness plan dieting space, they're completely the other extreme. It just feels like abandonment of all structure, abandonment of any sort of scaffolding around eating. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go down a meticulous food plan route as you would when following a diet. You know, we don't want to get back into that. However, it is helpful to have a rough plan, you know, to have food in the cupboard that you enjoy, to think ahead about what you're going to eat with timings, etc., and to think about feeding yourself regularly as you would do to your pet or your child or your loved one. You absolutely deserve this self-care too. And if you do practice regular eating and balancing blood sugar, your relationship will improve with food by many percentages, I promise. And I've probably said this before on the podcast, but if you are practicing regular eating, it's almost like you're on a stable platform. You know, you're walking through the trees, one of those lovely platforms where you can get the beautiful kind of forest experience by, you know, walking through on a lovely kind of footpath that's lovely and wide above all the treetops. You're stable, you're safe. You know that if a gust of wind came along, you're not going to topple off. And I think if you're doing the regular eating, that's what it's like in recovery. You've got like a stable bedrock. Whereas when you are on a diet, it's like you're on a tightrope. So you might be able to balance on the tightrope for a short amount of time. It might go quite well. But then as soon as a gust of wind comes along, as soon as some emotional stress, you're going to topple off that tightrope and fall to the ground. So regular eating, start where you can, it's going to help you massively. So it's very common that I still see some of my clients engaging in the more subtle restrictions of food rules, even when they've perhaps abandoned the extreme dieting. So abandoning the extreme dieting is such a brilliant step. And if you've done that, all credit to you because it's you know a big hard step to do in diet culture where you're being sold another new plan every single day. But here are some examples of more subtle things that people might be doing that are keeping them stuck. So you might not be calorie counting per se, 
but you're still doing a quick calorie add up at the end of the day and laying in bed thinking about what you've eaten. And thing is as well, if you're doing that, there's going to be inevitable judgment and possibly a change in your behavior the next day. And you're very much kind of linking your self-worth to what you've eaten. So if you notice yourself doing this, I know it's a tricky one because I'm sure that it's quite a habitual thought that this pops into your head. And you probably are very adept at counting calories, so it's hard to turn that off. But when the thought comes, notice it and work to sidestep it and maybe create a new habit. So maybe you could focus on three things your body has done for you today or remember a memory from today that you're grateful for. So almost kind of create a diversion for your thoughts. Another thing that keeps people a bit stuck is where they've really made some progress, again, in neutralizing food, not calling foods good and bad in the same way, but there's a kind of hangover, lingering judgment still going on. So maybe if you have what you perceive to be as an unhealthy or a bad meal, you give yourself a lot of judgment around that. So you start thinking about what you've eaten, you feel dissatisfied with yourself, and then because of your judging yourself in that harsh way, you actually then continue eating lots of other foods and you sort of slip into that, well, I've kind of blown it today. I might as well start again tomorrow. You become quite self-sabotaging and self-punishing. So I would say to you as well, remember there is no perfect eating. And I think as well, when you're recovering from binge eating, there's a bit of a fantasy that there's this kind of perfectly controlled way to eat or there's this like chaotic bingey way. There is no perfect eating. And your long-term goal is to self-care and look after your body and to value health. But it's also to really enjoy food and to engage socially and taste all those yummy tastes and pleasures. So you are on the road to finding your sweet spot with this. So if you eat pizza and donuts for lunch, enjoy and celebrate every mouthful. Tap into values of freedom and spontaneity and enjoying living life to the full. So if you're feeling that you've blown it, you are still holding on to rules in some way, but you haven't blown it. There is no wagon to fall off. Your body is not going to desire pizza and donuts at every meal. Trust that you can eat a whole range of foods and your body can feed back to you and you can begin to listen to its signals. So if you feel that you had something that didn't quite fit comfortably with you, continue with your day with your afternoon snack and your dinner, eating as you can, to try and be tuned into hunger and fullness. And even if you're not really tuned into hunger and fullness, if you feel that you're still a bit at sea with all of that, just practice the regular eating as part of self-care, okay? Another way of subtle restriction is missing meals as you're too busy and almost kind of liking that as a way to reduce your food intake. So as I've said, people with eating disorders are often living life at a thousand miles an hour, spinning on the hamster wheel and striving to get the to-do list done. And this means that you don't always have time to self-care and to stop. You end up missing meals or eating on the run or at your computer. And this means you get over hungry. And also that when you do eat, you don't get the satisfaction yum yum factor from eating. So if you recognize yourself here, make time for your eating as you would if you're feeding your mum, your child or your pet. Sounds simple, but it's hard. But making time for yourself and giving yourself this respect and genuinely needed self-care is a game changer. And you can't expect yourself not to binge when you are neglecting your body's physiological needs and pushing yourself to unhealthy limits. So take the 10 minutes out, sit down, 
put your food on a plate, you are worth it. Okay, so I hope this episode has given you some things to think about and has delved a little bit deeper into some of the subtleties that can keep binge eating going. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. If you are not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.